uh, it's um, Merry Christmas in Hawaiian. I'm sure James Marsh uh, can say that, can't you, sir? Merry Christmas, absolutely. <laughs> but can you say it in Hawaiian? Is it aloha? <laughs> no. <laughs> that means most things, doesn't it? I'm not sure. <laughs> no, it's, no, it's, it's, it's meli kalikimaka, meli kalikimaka. Um, uh, so, um, anyway, let's, let's get on with the movies. Well, having said that, um, I think James might be frozen. Let's see. Are you there, James? If we still I am been? here, yes. yes. It's a little okay. bit... A little bit choppy, the connection. It's a little bit wavering, but... Uh, mm, mm. I'll, I'll I'll just motor on through and hopefully yeah uh, it'll it'll yeah. be okay. And what have you what, what have you got in so, in prospect? Uh, well, the the big thing that is available in some parts of the world this weekend uh, or from Christmas Day onwards is of course Wonder Woman 1984. Now Hong Kong was was sitting pretty, looking pretty smug for a lot of the year because uh, once it had been sort of postponed and postponed and postponed time and time again. What with everything. It was looking like we were going to have it in cinemas a week before most other places. It was supposed to open here last Thursday. And then, you know, lockdown again, whatever uh, phase we're in now, kept uh, all the cinemas closed and they remain closed now. And so what is happening is uh, in large markets, it is opening uh, Christmas Day simultaneously and controversially in cinemas and also on HBO Max. Now... Uh, because of this year and because of you know COVID and what have you, um, one of the uh, good things actually has been that uh, a lot of the distributors, certainly at this time of year with awards coming up and what have you, have been very good about providing critics like myself with screeners for everything. I'm in a, an international critics group, and so generally they would sort of send a few things over, but it was always a bit hit and miss. This year... Uh, it seems that this ha the whole COVID thing has really galvanised everybody into going digital and therefore making it far easier to securely and safely and efficiently provide everybody with screeners. And Warner Brothers have been really on top of their game. And so I've had screeners in the last week or so coming through for Tenet and coming through for Wonder Woman 1984. So I was able to sit down at home last night and perfectly legally in 4K gorgeous uh, Technicolor sit down and watch uh, Wonder Woman 1984 so uh, not, to, not to brag or gloat or anything like that uh, right. but I have seen it so I thought <laughs> as, it, as it is in the news this week you know as it, as it, it is opening you're, gonna, you know, you're quite, just going to make Wonder us jealous Wonder. you're just going to make us jealous right <laughs> <laughs> well that's, a, that's a, good, a good question so are you going to be jealous or not so let's get into it shall we right. so it's called uh, Wonder Woman 1984 and so unsurprisingly that's when it takes place so Diana Prince uh, played again by Gal Gadot uh, has been on sort of on Earth in civilization since World War I as we saw her in the first film so she's been around for a while she's an immortal so she doesn't age but she has settled into sort of contemporary 20th century living and she's now working as an anthropologist at the uh, the Smithsonian in Washington DC now the action picks up when she's I should say she is doing a little bit of crime fighting just on the side trying to keep a low profile doing it anonymously uh, you know nothing too you know purse snatches that kind of thing but not, nothing too serious um, but the action picks up when her and a new colleague called Bridget Minerva, played by Kristen Wiig, uh, discover this ancient artifact, which is a dream stone, which essentially grants the wish of, of whatever you ask for when you hold it. But, as it turns out, will take something from you in return. Whatever you prize the most, it will 
take from you. Now, inadvertently, before really understanding what this stone does, both uh, Diana and uh, Barbara wish wish for what they want and then get it. And what Diana wants is she wants her beloved Steve Trevor back. You know, he obviously died at the end of the first film, sacrificed himself for the greater good. Um, and then he materialises again, played again by Chris Pine, but inhabiting the body of somebody else. So to everybody else, it's a bit like Quantum Leap. You know, whenever Scott Bakula went right. from person to person, only uh, his holographic pal uh, could see that it was him and the audience could see that it was him. So the same thing happens. So Steve Trevor is back on the scene. And what Barbara, her co-worker, wants to be, is she's very jealous. She's very envious of Diana Prince, of her beauty and of her abilities and all the rest of it. And so without knowing that she's Wonder Woman, just says, I want to be like Diana. And so before she knows it, she's got all of these powers. Um, they both come into contact with a uh, rather shady industrialist called Max Lord, who's played by Pedro Pascal, who most people will... Well, well I don't know if they'll know him from this, but he plays the Mandalorian. Uh, I haven't seen the show, the, the Star Wars spin-off show, but by all accounts, he pretty much keeps his helmet on for almost all of it, so you might not recognise <laughs> him, but that's, right. that's, what he's, uh, that's what he's been in. Uh, and he learns about the stone, and he wants to get his hands on it. So essentially, it's this sort of three-way struggle for what is essentially sort of a genie's lamp. It'll grant you whatever mm. you want, but at a price. So that's the setup. I mean, again, this is directed by Patty Jenkins, who directed the first film, uh, and it takes a sort of much lighter tone than the rest of the DC Universe films were going in. You know, we, we, with Man of Steel and uh, Batman vs Superman and even Suicide Squad, they're all going for this pretty dark, pretty R-rated, sort of thorny kind of uh, take on the thing. Whereas Wonder Woman 84 is definitely sort of lighter, poppier, really embraces its period setting with the fashions and the music and just the general sort of day-glow appearance of everything. You know, the sort of the lurid greens and pinks and oranges and what, and what have you. I mean, obviously Gal Gadot looks fantastic in pretty much anything that she's wearing, mm. let's be honest. Um, but she, and she, again, is, is great here. She's got, you know, a real confidence in the role and she's certainly made it her own. And where the, where the plot might be sort of at times a little bit weaker... It's that it's that sort of star power that she sort of has conjured almost overnight that really sort of holds the whole thing together. It feels sort of uh, on, on a lower tier in far as far as grand spectacle. I mean, we have been kind of spoilt. You know, the, the, the superhero movies in recent years from Marvel and from DC and whomever have been sort of escalating to such a sort of exponential degree that it was you know they have kind of reached. Uh, Sort of exploding point, shall we say? Have they, have so they gone too? Have they gone too like far? They, they almost gone too far. Well, you could certainly argue that. I mean, you look at what Marvel did with the Avengers: Infinity War and Endgame, and where you had so many characters jostling for screen time and what have you. I think they did a relatively good job of holding it all together. But where do you go from there? I think you have to kind of step back at some point and go, all right. Uh, we need to tell slightly smaller stories. And this uh, feels like a smaller story that's more interested in character development and the relationships and rivalries between them rather than uh, sky beams and exploding cities and all the rest of it. So the, the action set pieces, for the most part, are much smaller 
but they're mo- motivated a lot more by by character. So that's you know depending on what you're coming to a superhero movie for, uh, I think that is going to really sort of impact your your take on the film and your response to it. Um, so for and and obviously, uh, although it was shot on sort of IMAX cameras and what have you, I was watching it at home. Right. As unfortunately mo- most people are going to end up doing. So uh, do, do we lose do we lose that effect completely then do we at home, you know, because you don't have the big screen in the in quite the same way though you can have big screens these days, you know. And if you sit close to it, yeah. it could feel like the cinema maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and to be honest, my screen's not too shabby, my home setup's okay, but yes, inevitably. I mean, it's it's no IMAX screen. And what you're seeing in a lot of these films, and I know this is certainly the case for Wonder Woman, is that certain sequences of the film were, sh- were shot on IMAX cameras, and it and it actually sort of vertically blows up the aspect ratio during those sequences. So there mm. is something that is lost in those moments because on on your TV you're watching it all sort of in in the same aspect ratio, and obviously your sound system can't really compete. And so much of a film's impact, this kind of film particularly, comes with the from the audio itself, from that surround sound. So, um, I, I did quite enjoy it. I've got to be honest. I think the performances are quite fun. Like I said, Gal Gadot's great. I think Kristen Wiig is a very was a very interesting piece of casting as a kind of uh, key uh, central antagonist. You know, she's known as a comedian for Bridesmaids and Saturday Night Live and things like that. Um, and I think she certainly embodies the awkwardness of Barbara's character in the early stages. Uh, as she increasingly sort of morphs into what she calls an apex predator, she becomes Cheetah, who is a very mm. sort of well-recognized uh, antagonist of Wonder Woman's in, from the comics. Um, she kind of gets hidden behind CGI and makeup and all the rest of it as she becomes more feline. Uh, the other thing is that inevitably what seems to happen in a lot of these sort of female-centric action movies, not just superhero movies, but action movies, is that inevitably the, sort of, the level of violence is toned down. Which, which you know, can be a good maybe. thing, can't it? I mean, it can be a good thing. Sometimes <laughs> well, was, it's a bit too much, right? Sometimes. Yeah, no, I was about to say, you know, this may, this, that might be a good thing. But, you know, for most of these films with a, you know, if it's a male lead and a male villain, there comes a moment where inevitably they just start pummeling each other to within mm. an inch of mm. their lives. And you don't, you don't tend to get that in these female-focused films. Uh, and more often than not, there is a temptation by the creators to make the villain female as well. Mm, uh, mm. And I wonder whether that sort of undercuts the um, the sort of the, the strength of the character to a degree, where it's like, mm. well, yes, she's a superhero, but only against a girl, mm, you know. Mm, and, and mm, there's, mm, mm. Now we, we we want to get through some other films as well. So give us your verdict on this one, because we only got about uh, ten minutes, less than ten minutes to get through three more films, I think. So what do you think on Wonder Woman? Are you, are you recommending it? Uh, it's a um, it's a modest recommendation mm. uh you know it's like i said it's definitely smaller scale but i think ultimately it's a successful film yes mm. okay uh, right let's move on shall we yeah let's do let's do I that just in the about... interest of time you've got some great you've got three other great films on the list right. what have you got right okay ma rainey's black bottom is probably the most high profile film and is not is for the for the not least because it's the final film of Chadwick Boseman, who's obviously mm. tragically died back in August uh, of bowel cancer. This is an adaptation of August Wilson's stage play, it's set in Chicago in the in the Roaring Twenties, and is about a jazz band at having uh, during a recording session, um, 
and sort of the every, the emotions and tempers that sort of boil over in this very sort of claustrophobic uh, environment. You've got um, the band of musicians, all African American musicians. Uh, they're waiting upon their prima donna singer, the titular Ma Rainey, played by Viola, um, Viola Davis, who shows up late and then has lots of outrageous demands and what have you. They've got the producer and the recorder. Um, the, the manager, you know, who are handling the recording, those are all white characters, you know, and that power dynamic certainly comes into play. And then Chadwick Boseman's character, Levy, is a kind of young, hot-headed, ambitious uh, horn player who, you know, doesn't necessarily want to play nice with the other musicians, doesn't really see why he shouldn't get some of the limelight himself. And as I said, yeah, tempers boil over during the course of this single session. So it is, yeah, it's based on a stage play and and... To a degree, you you can tell, you know, it has mm. the single setting and all the rest of it, and the sort of long monologues and what have you. Um, but it's getting a, a fair amount of awards attention in this very strange award season that we're just entering into, and there is a lot of talk about the possibility of posthumously giving Chadwick Boseman an Oscar. Mm. You know, I think. Uh, to, to be honest, there isn't a great deal of competition this year. And it is a really strong performance. It's something that we haven't really seen from him. He's not the most likable of characters. Uh, but there's a great deal of sort of emotional range on display. And I th- I think he might go all the way. Mm, mm, mm. Um, actually, we were discussing this earlier on with Steve Vines, oddly, because I was promoting the fact you were going to be talking about these films. And uh, Steve says, oh, I've seen that. Um, already, and uh, I said, "What you mean? This one, the new one?" He said, "Yes." And but he but he said that he felt as a um, because it was based on a play, it, it came out like a play, and it wasn't really as movie, you know, as bit as a big movie mm. as he would have kind of liked it to be. But that was rather about the fact that that was how it was written, and there wasn't really much you could do with it. That's right. I mean, it is very much a chamber piece, as they're called. You know, there there is a single location. It spills out in the film version, spills out onto the street outside the recording studio every now and again. But one gets the impression that during the original play, uh, that wouldn't have been the case. Um, it was part originally part of a deal that Denzel Washington had with HBO to develop a whole load of August Wilson's plays, and he did. He and starred in Fences, which is another of his, about three or four years ago. Now that film felt very much more like a stage play, just a filmed stage play. Whereas I think, for the most part, in my opinion at least, the um, the director, George Wolfe, who's actually a, a very seasoned sort of Broadway director, um, ironically makes it feel almost as cinematic as, as possible. You know, mm. without going so far as to have any flashbacks or anything like that. It's, uh, I, think, I think it's a pretty successful job. Okay, okay, cool. Um, let's do a couple, of minutes, a couple of minutes quickly on each of the other ones. What are the, what are the other two that we're going to talk about? Okay, the mid. So, uh, yeah. So, Ma Rainey's is on Netflix right mm. now. Uh, the Midnight Sky is a new film starring by, starring and directed by George Clooney. It's a kind of apocalyptic oh, okay. thriller. Mm. The the Earth is in the middle of a uh, um, some kind of ecological disaster, and everybody is leaving the planet essentially. And um, he's a seasoned scientist, uh, works at a sort of remote uh, radio outpost, and he he is sick. He ha- he's on dialysis. He realizes he hasn't got much time left, so he opts to stay behind. And the impression given is that he's almost like the last man on Earth. 
Now, he's trying to send a radio signal out, trying to contact a number of different space missions that had been sent out to try and find a hospitable planet where people could go. And the only uh, mission he's able to get in touch with is a ship uh, manned and captained by Felicity Jones, a very pregnant Felicity Jones, I should say, David Ayelowo and a few other people, that's on its way back from Earth after an unsuccessful mission to find another one. So it's kind of like two movies at the same time. You've got... George Clooney's character sort of on his own in the Arctic wilderness, only to discover that there's a young girl stowaway sort of left behind uh, in, in this uh, remote radio station. And then you've got this spaceship making the dangerous journey back to Earth, unaware that Earth is no longer hospitable. Um, it's adapted from a novel, and it looks very good. They've, they've really gone all out on sort of... The, the grand vistas of a decimated planet and of the, the big sort of space, uh, well, yeah, of, of, the, sort of the space mission side of it. And there are some strong set pieces there. Ultimately, it doesn't hold together. A lot of the George Clooney stuff is a bit boring and oh a dear. bit slow, I okay. found. Right. There are some. There are some themes in play, some larger themes, some messages, some reveals and twists that are incredibly obvious mm. from the moment, almost from the beginning of the film. You're like, oh, well, that's that and that's that and that's that within the first five minutes. And then the film, with a degree of self-importance, slowly reveals these things over the next two hours. And you're like, yes, I know. So, and that just gets a little, a little tedious. So a bit of a thumbs down on that one, do you think? Afraid so. It does look nice, though. All right, let's let's just jump quick, quickly into the uh, the final one. Is a basically a re-edit, a redux, if you like, of Godfather Part Three, the sort of the much maligned epilogue to Francis Ford Coppola's great sort of gangster epic. Um, this has kind of gone straight to Blu-ray. I'm not sure if it's on a streaming service in in Hong Kong or or anywhere really. I think it it's it's going to straight out on Blu-ray, and I, I picked that up just this past weekend. Um, the film was always problematic. It was deemed by many people to be unnecessary. It picks up the action decades later. It was made in 1990. And you have an ageing Michael Corleone, again played by Al Pacino, doing everything he can to fully get out of organised crime. He wants the family to be completely legitimate, the family business to be legal, all above board, when he hands it over to his children only to discover that his son wants to be an opera singer instead and his daughter wants to be sort of a humanitarian and run a charity or something like that. Mm, mm, mm. Oh. So uh, what this version of it does is it tweaks the beginning slightly, tweaks the end slightly, uh, and then sort of just reshuffles a little bit of the editing and a little bit of the music. To be honest, it's, it's still, in my opinion, a sort of fascinating failure. I don't think... <laughs> Oh dear. You know, you, he can really do enough to make to make the film sort of have that sort of epic, grand scale, that, that sort of, you know, that operatic sort of sensibility that those first two films had. What the one positive change is that Sophia's, Sophia Coppola's performance that was slammed at the time, she was a last minute replacement for Winona Ryder, mm -hmm. um, is a lot better than I remember. Great. OK. But so otherwise, it's it's no better. So Godfather Coda, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, The Midnight Sky and Wonder Woman 1984. Fabulous. Happy viewing over Christmas, right. Javis. Thank you very much for the, the previews and we will see you um, next time, next week. All right, take care. Thanks a lot. Thanks, mate. Thank you, James. Yeah, I'll talk to you next week. All right, bye-bye.